Happy New Year from your Midwest Garden Podcast. In this episode, we chat well about post-holiday poinsettia care. Stay tuned. Today's show is Season 1, Episode 31. Hey, fellow gardeners, I'm Michael Work, the Garden Guy, along with freshman gardener Scott, and the holiday season has come and gone. Bye-bye. <laughs> Say hello, Scott. No, I'm not doing that this time, Mike. Oh, you're not. I'm saying Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> okay. And, yeah, Happy New Year to you. Also, well, it's got to be a happier one than the last one. Well, this well the last true. one wasn't happy. We just had to acclimate. It was more unhappy than happy. Well, it was more of a, you know, running into brick walls type of a thing rather than just being happy, joyous, and free. Well, anyway. Yeah, no um, freedom. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's New Year, new, everything's new. It's time to think about, you know, starting that new upcoming gardening season. Right, Mike? Yeah, we're going to prep for it big time because, you know, but first of all, I want to follow up with some of the things from the previous season. Meaning that, you know, the, the Christmas, the Hanukkah, the holiday season itself, people were giving gifts, and they were giving gifts as plants also, or plants as gifts. Now, you know, you've got anything from amaryllis to paper whites, then the jar to grow them on stones. You've got poinsettias. Um, the poinsettias that people are giving, they're, you know, either in a six-and-a-half-inch pot or a 14-inch pot. They're huge. But people generally have them there, you know, all the way till I don't know, what is it, the mid-January, and then they start to notice things are happening to them. And you had a question or two about them, didn't you? Poinsettia or poinsettias? Oh, here we go. All right, you know that it's pronounced both ways. I know. It's it, kind of like a tomato, tomato, it's in potato, the, potato. It is in the dictionary you know, both can, ways. Well, and it's phonetically spelled out both ways. If we get the Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire song, and they're, you say tomato, I say tomato. You say potato, I say potato. You say pontatia, I say pontata. But before we get into all that. Yeah, where are we going? So we're going to change things up coming up in season two as far as how our show goes. Mm-hmm and get into some more specifics and all that. And one of the most popular things that we were doing in the individual like interview style shows was the Mike's Mail, the question and answer yeah. shows that, you know, we did together, my first round of being on air, so to speak. So we for everybody listening, we've kind of decided that in every show we're gonna put a Mike's Mail Q and A question at the end of each show starting in season two okay so right, uh, you cool. know a cool. little bit of information a little bit of q a at the end um, if maybe we relate them to the subject that day maybe those questions haven't popped up to us yet and well we've also i mean there's certain ones they're, they're common denominators in each one of them for instance like the point setup questions that we've had you know, they want to take care of them, for instance. I mean, there's a group of people. Instead of individually answering, I can and we can focus on, you know, say, well, why don't you stay tuned? Because episode or season two, episode number one, for instance, today is going to be talking about things like the poinsettia on the question there and then the things that are related to it. So we're going to we're going to do that. We're going to have a Mike's Mail Q&A today because we, are we going to do them all? Well, no, there's well, a bunch of them. Well, season two hasn't started yet. So relax. OK. <laughs> but we're going to do this one because it didn't make it in time for Mike's Mail 2 episode in November, but it's related to the poinsettia okay. subject today. 
right. It's about a Christmas cactus. Oh. And they have a question for you. So we're going to do that one after we talk about the poinsettias. Well, that'll, that's a nice. It's kind of like You're a. You're going to have to segue, dude. It's a dry run. Well, no, I'd rather do it this way than, you know, it's kind of like standing in a, in, in a retail outlet and talking to somebody directly on this. So let's, let's work on this. So I'm going to bring up a couple things and then you just fire off about poinsettias. Go for it, man. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Let me roll my sleeves up. There All are right. two things. Before we talk about post-care, there were two things that I learned big time about, you know, purchasing and pre-care. You got poinsettias right now in your house? No, I don't. Okay, <laughs> but I, but I learned. People don't like I, you, Scott. If I wanted them, I learned. So two th- two big things I learned: a, when you are shopping at the store and somebody has a display of poinsettias up by the front door with the constant temperature change with the door open, door closed, those are not going to be your most healthiest, best. They're not going to be the pick of the litter. Thank you. Okay. Because they like a constant temperature. And so, uh, you know, let's say... You have done your homework. I Well, you know, I've learned. So, yeah, so you don't want those ones up front because they're not, their survival rate is in the, their leaf drop is going to happen a lot sooner. So I learned that. So don't take them up by the front entrance. Number two is when you do leave the store with your poinsettia, that, I mean, any good garden center is going to cover it with plastic. We'll cover it some way. Yes. And they, and because they don't want the plant to go through that shock, much like that front door thing. Since you've done your homework, why don't they want to go through that shock? What kind of a plant is it? Is it a... It's a tropical. It's a plant that you want to be pretty. We're not going to go and try to educate the PhDs or the people with, you know, the 72 abbreviations after the cards that they give us. The show is focusing mostly on people such as yourself to to answer a standard question as to why. And you're going through the process of, of telling me that, yeah, you don't want to pick these guys out in front because the fluctuating temperatures, the cold and warm, Correct. cold and warm, cold and warm. And when you're in there, you see them slightly wilting. And that's because it's a shock that they're going through. So if you can, and you're there with a cluster of poinsettias all over the place, I would probably recommend more so you go either to a far corner where it's not exposed to the opening and closing of doors or traffic or, and you're not noticing a whole bunch of that, you know, through through this type of a COVID situation, but go to the middle one, pick them out of the middle and then look at them as if you're picking out a nice tomato out of the bunch without having the whole thing fall down. Pick it out, take a look, give it a 360 degree check, put it back. I mean, this is where you're actually going to go for the pick of the litter. Continuing on with my brilliant homework. A little bit of education. <laughs> so, you know, so you're covering them up. It's so they don't get that shock going out to the car. And I've heard people either even discuss having a warm car before you bring it out there. But the other thing is, is you cannot keep that plastic bag on that plant for long. Like as soon as you get it home. Why, you ask Mike? Why is that, Scott? Because that plastic bag is trapping some gas. What gas is it? Ethylene. The plastic holds in ethylene gas, which is not good for the plant. Dang. I mean, a little bit of knowledge is really dangerous. Yes. So, it, like, like you, it has gas problems. Well, yeah, but <laughs> mine is, I can, well, we aren't going there. 
Even your cat doesn't like it in the studio here when that happens. Anyhow, yeah. Now, when you're growing anything indoors, there's a process of the plants, especially tropicals, and they're talking about the plants that you bring in, oxygenators, meaning that what they do is they take the CO2 out of the room, they go through a, a photosynthetic process, and they emit oxygen throughout the, 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 throughout the room or the place that you're, you're, you've got the plants at. Now, a healthy plant's going to do that. Your point said is if you've got the plastic or something that's not porous enough, and it's not going to be porous even in a paper bag or a cloth, you are going to have that gas trapped in there, and the plant's not going to be able to take in any CO2, and it's basically going to be, it's like you suffocating from just uh, putting a plastic bag over your face. I mean, before anything goes to the point, I don't want to go into much detail, but the plant isn't going to go through its natural process of photosynthesis, first of all. And it's going to be toxic to the plant where it's going to be taking in that gas. And it is going to prevent that gas, not that gas, but the plant from uptake as far as nutrients. And you're going to notice that the leaves are going to start to curl and turn, and then those are going to fall off. That's only one part of the process, too. The other, I'm sure you've done your homework. I'm going to ask you, what does it have to do with maintaining that plant throughout the course of the season, the non-growing season? Let's say the months of January, February, and March. He's well, pausing and looking at me. What the hell are you talking about, man? I, I don't know the question. Repeat the question. The question is, is what else is there to maintain the poinsettia or what to expect? Well, you're going to have some... Well, because of the gas? Not necessarily just because of the gas. It's because of the plant. You're going to notice, let's say the poinsettia, you've got a beautiful one right now. And you've got that thing, and you've had that thing in the plastic bag for two days because you were going to give it to Aunt Rose. All right? When you take that plastic bag off, you're going to notice that there's going to be some yellow discoloration on those leaves. And they're going to fall off. You're not going to want to give that plant to Aunt Rose because, yes, you did get the pick of the litter at first. But you're going to have to allow that plant to breathe properly. Well, you, yeah, you can't. I mean, the the whole thing is as soon as you get home, that plastic bag comes off because the gas is going right. to yellow out and start destroying the plant. And if you're going to give it to Aunt Rose, you're going to have to put it back into that plastic well, yeah. bag. Okay, so we say, can't assume. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so so in re- related, since this is all pre-holiday when right. you're purchasing and information that means January 6th already. So yeah, well. that's old. This is all old news, but I just wanted to let you know, I found some things out. I thought were interesting. Then throw in my direction. Well, well the one more before I get back to the gas. All right. <laughs> um, is that when you put your plant out on Excuse display in, yeah. in the lit area, doesn't have to be direct. I understand. We it just has to be bright. Let's define lit. Okay. Well, let's go there some other time. I mean, we've been but, lit before, and that's not because you of know, the lack of light. I only have a one-track mind. <laughs> I don't want okay. to switch tracks here. All right, go for it. Focus. So uh, the biggest thing I learned was you to set that plant away from the window a little bit because of cold drafts, and you don't want any of the leaves touching the glass because the temperature of that glass is going to mess with that leaf, and it's going to discolor it. And it's going to start dropping sooner. That's another one. So yes. set them back. They don't have to be like right there. They just need the light. They don't need like to be three inches closer and it's going to be better light. Well, run with this one, man. Keep going. Uh, uh, it was so, okay. So let's get back to the gases. All right. You, so I had a question and I actually talked to a gardener about it. 
And I said, okay, I understand that people are telling me to take off the plastic bag because of ethylene gas. And then, but later on, when we're, you know, in September, October, when we're starting to put those plants, so it, we're keeping them year-round, and that's what you're going to be talking about more. You're taking a heck more. of a big jump, okay. Yes, but that's related. All right. So you're putting a box over your plant for, let's, for the 12 to 15 hours to keep them in complete darkness so that they start blooming red again. When he's talking a box, he's talking something that's a deep enough to box. hold yeah. the entire Not hold, but you can just plant. Yeah, uh, you can you just turn it upside down. Slip it right over. Right. And yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's in and complete I, And darkness. I started thinking to me, well, you know, isn't the ethylene gas going to, for 15 hours a night, build up? What that's gonna, part of it. Yeah, but, uh, and this is what I asked the gardener you got to lift it up every once in a while no. to release it, don't you? No. What did she say? And I'm presuming this is a she. Yes. Okay. Cardboard is permeable. The gas but it's will porous, escape. but you're still going to end up having a little bit of a residual. Maybe a little bit, but not like the plastic. No, bag no, no, one. no. And that gas in itself is also part of the col- the coloring process. I uh, you sure? Well, I'm sure. I know the lighting is ninety percent of it. The gas that's in there, you don't have any CO2 in there. That's going to be so it can emit oxygen. And if you're going to keep it in darkness, for instance. Let's just say that you're a massive grower, and you're growing thousands of poinsettias. Don't talk about my weight. All right. A massive? <laughs> um, he's a little sensitive here. It's because of the holiday cheer, isn't it? It's uh, the COVID-30. <laughs> you go to these standard greenhouses that are growing these things. Yeah. They're... They drop black curtains. They don't allow anything in there at all. And right. they keep them down for a two-week period. With no lighting, I mean, no daylight, anything of that nature. And it, it prevents, yeah, you have a slight fan going through there, but nothing major. It's the whole process that they're going through right now of dormancy that allows, when you bring the sun to it or when you bring the lighting to it, those leaves or bracts are going to turn to a specific color. Now, it can be, it depends on how long you keep them dark. Some of them are going to, I got to tell you something, and I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here, because we went from January all the way to September, October. Yeah, we jumped a little bit. All right. Well, then you continue on going with the Brax and what they should do about the, the changing of the, of the color of the plant, of the, of, the, of the leaves, not the flower. Correct. Okay. So, Carrie, run. Carry on my wayward son. I don't. Honestly, I don't know much more than other than for the two to three weeks in order to get those bracts bracks to turn yeah. red is, you know, you let them have some daylight during the day. But at night, they need 12 to 15 hours minimum of, of darkness, of complete darkness. Right. And, you know, don't lift it up and peek and don't have big pinholes in the box because all that is doing is delaying how soon that plant is going to be red. When I was, I it, I don't want to get into my personal married life or ex-married life, but I was married for 20 plus years. We would get poinsettias as, a, as, as gifts. You know, people have little, come on in, oh, it's a beautiful little six-inch pop poinsettia. Some are blue, some are speckled, some are white, some are red. Well, I would save them and I would put them by a south, a southern window, or a western window, even in the eastern windows. But they, you're right. You don't let them touch the glass because it's cold up here in the Midwest. 
what I would do is just leave it alone. Let them go dormant. They're going to look like naked chickens. They're going to lose their leaves. The leaves are going to shrivel up, but they're going to survive. You're only going to have enough leaf there to promote any type of photosynthesis while this plant is going through a dormant process. Then the following season, what I would do is I would go ahead and upcan. Now, what upcan means is I'd take them out of the, the four and a half or six and a half inch pot and I would put it in like a five gallon container. And then what I'd do is I'd take it outside when nighttime temperatures are above, say, 50 degrees and daytime temperatures, well, they can go as hot as they want to. But you wouldn't believe the color scheme. These plants are going to be suddenly, yeah, I'd give it a little bit of miracle Grow. I'm not going to eat the leaves. What they're going to do is they're going to promote and expand new leafing. They're going to sing. You're going to hear them doing it. But then the leaves are going to come out because we have very little sunlight in the spring here in the Midwest to, let's say, about June, July, August when we have sunlight until about 10 o'clock at night. Well, and then it tends to get darker. You wouldn't believe the color change. I had orange. I had yellow. I had, you know, a little bit of red here and there. I even had variegated leaves on them. They're so cool because of the lighting itself. Now, they're tropical plants. And somebody, the history of them, so I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he got them like in the Yucatan Peninsula. They're native to that area. He brought them up to the United States or to North America as a specific, you know, to, I think it was around the... Oh, the mid to late 1700s. And they thought it was so cool. Well, he made a profit out of doing that regularly, but they didn't last. And people didn't know what to do with them. I'm suggesting that between, let's say, January, like you're talking right now, through to the end of March, first part of April, you're going to put up with don't try to save the plant unless you're going to have the conditions that you're talking about, which are going to be the most pristine. Most people can't give them pristine conditions. I'm just suggesting if you can... Don't overwater them. If you overwater them, they're going to drown. And I would get to that because there's a little tip that people need to remember when they do that. Go for it. Watering. But let, since you were talking early spring, what I did find out is that they suggest cutting them back like four to six inches in early spring, continue watering, and you can fertilize in you know spring with... No, I don't know. What would you use, like a cactus fertilizer? I, you know, I don't think you have to be that specific. Okay. And here's the reason. Because, I mean, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium are the basic elements in anything to get them to grow to promote leafing. The higher the nitrogen, the first number that's on any type of fertilizer, the more leaf production you're going to get. The very last number is going to help to promote the strength of the stalks as well as the root system and the uptake of nutrients. That middle number is going to be for the flower. And since the poinsettia or poinsettia has an itty-bitty flower, not a big flower, I'm not going to focus on the the middle number number on that. Okay, so continuing, I mean, we didn't really start from A to B, but I think folks are catching on. But so once summer comes in this Midwest area, um. Even though it's a tropical plant, they still suggest it be in partial shade, maybe four to six hours of sun. Uh, uh, you know, this is this is is this plant kind of dormant in the summer? It's dormant as far as color as people think no, about it, but it's I mean it's still alive. See, in the Southern Great Lakes in the Midwest, the humidity can be really, really incredible. Um, you don't have to water it as much. 
I mean, you yeah, you give it a good drink, leave it alone for maybe three to five days or a week or whatever. But the leaves are going to dictate to you when they need a watering. But then also as far as the color. Yeah, I don't strongly recommend you keep it in a southern exposure in the summertime because you're going to get the heat of the day sunlight. They're more of a tropical plant. They're protected by a canopy. Well, we're moving them outside in the summer. Yeah, as long as you can put them in an area where they're going to get, let's say, morning sunlight, and which starts at about 6.30 in the morning in the Midwest, right. all the way to about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and yeah, then the so rest there's is... Your, there's your four to six hours of sun, not in the heat of the summer sun. Or you can do due west. I had mine like in a northwest corner of the property, and it would get on and off, on and off, on and off. And it had the canopy of a big maple tree directly... Um, I don't want to say in front of it that it's going to be blocking it with shade, but it would get the filtered sunlight. And this thing was so cool. I mean, it was singing with different colors. Just don't put it in the southern exposure and pretend it's a cactus. Let's talk about water and humidity because my homework revealed a few things. (laughs) Academe. Man, I feel like I'm back at school. They suggest that you only water when the top layer is dry because technically it is in the cactus family, so you do not want to overwater. So they're saying the first few layers, you know, put your finger in down to your first knuckle. If it's knuckle. cool. Yeah, and if that's dry, and then to give it some water. They also, somebody, I've read differing things, but some people are saying that you can water, like soak it, but it's a couple of things. A, you want it to drain. You do not want it sitting in water. So therefore, and here's the key, that pretty red foil wrap that it's been dun, sitting dun, in. Dun, 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 and dun, dun, and this dun. probably, I mean, it's January, so people probably have already done this, hopefully. They want it to match the motif in the family room. And that's fine. It just take a knife and cut the bottom and make a big X and peel some of that foil at the bottom so it drains. away so it drains into your water and, catch And you tray. don't want that tray to be filled with water either. Correct. You need to... Let it drain and then dump that, stuff. dump that stuff. So that, you know, cutting that foil. So now, you know, let's say spring, summer, you don't want red happy foil. You're probably going to take that off anyway so you don't have to worry about draining. What I would really prefer and what I'm partial to is if you can, you know it's in a plastic pot when you get it. All right? Change that out after the holidays? I'd like you to change it into a – if you can find clay pots because clay breathes. And it drains. There you and go. I would rather you do that immediately. So the other thing I learned, this is more, God, this show's turning into what Scott learned and how Mike can. We've created a monster here yes, because Scott was, you know, the producer extraordinaire. Now he's becoming a monster. Yeah. A good way. The good garden monster, Scott Sandstrom. So they like humidity. They're a tropical plant. They're used to humidity. So they want extra. So you can, even as you're watering or, you know, during your spring before it gets real humid out in the summer, mist them, right? You can throw a little mist on them. Oh, Lord, help us, please. Oh, wait, wait. I got one better. Oh, God. You can do one of those water rock trays where you put little rocks in like a drainage tray. Let them just. Fill that with water. Therefore, your roots are not sitting in water. But that water is slowly going to evaporate. Evaporating, and it's going to encompass the foliage. Into, yes. Oh damn! You, You're going to be growing orchids in another week. I know that. <laughs> so uh, and then uh, yeah, 
bright light, 60 to 75 degrees, and they're Well, happy. can you give that bright light to the plant right here in the Midwest when the sun— I mean, 90% of our days right now are going to be overcast. Right. All right, so the bright light, unless you go artificial— and you're growing something else that maybe some states don't legalize, um, you could probably do that if you wanted to. You can give it the artificial lighting. You can have an ugly duckling. Please allow it to get ugly. The plant's not going to be the most glorious plant in the world. If you don't want to spend 365 days out of the year paying attention to it, then go ahead and and, and let it go through its course. Listen to what Scott has learned, um, but don't be afraid when it starts to lose its leaves. Not everybody's going to have the most lush plant in the perfect conditions for it. So I want you to understand it's going to look like an ugly stick for a while with a couple leaves on it and not the panic. So one of the other things I learned. Oh, gracious help us. And <laughs> we're going to have to block him. And pretty much this is the last thing I know. That you learned. That I learned. <laughs> we're going to have to re-education Cap Scott. Brax, not Brax. Brax, not Brax. Look it up phonetically. Yes, Brax. I mean, geez. They're not as toxic as people believe they are. People they get, are toxic. Only if you're going to take 100 of the leaves and put them in your cereal. Well, I mean, and then you're going to probably vomit them up. But on the other hand, if you have cats, you don't know how what the cats are doing every day, you know. They'll probably taste a nibble just to get curious with it, but they get the hint usually immediately that this isn't something it's going to want to play with. And it's not going to, unless your cat is extremely vulnerable to even air, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be afraid of allowing my cat. I'd be more afraid of putting a Christmas tree up and if you had cats than I would with having poinsettias around. Notice I said it poinsettias because we're in North America, dagnabbit. We've done the Christmas time. We've done some of the spring and cutting them back, the four to six inches, and fertilizing and water. And now we're into summer where they like the humidity. Mm -hmm. And Are we in know, summer now? Or are we, we? I mean, you know, people are going to be a little the, apprehensive the about it. The plant's in summer. Okay, we're pretending good. the plant yeah. is in summer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I would like I'm to be in to summer. Go the, yeah, it would be. Well, you'd open you'd have your pool open. It'd be perfect for your pool. Love it. Like the like the Mike's Mail guy that remember he wrote in and had that poinsettia. Yeah, well, see, duh. Yeah. So anyway, let's. It's summertime. 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 summertime some. Yeah. Some. Summertime. Other, I mean, other than being humid, and then you just continuing to water and fertilize a little bit. I know you don't stop fertilizing until uh, a couple of weeks before you want to start putting the box over to get them to turn. September. October. Right. But as far as I know, summertime you're just. Const, just keeping them constant. I mean, what else are you doing? Well, you don't want to. Okay, in this case, I wouldn't consider the manuals like you. You would. You like your. Um, really interesting. No, I, I, even though they would be considered annual, they'll die off if you leave them outside. Remember, they're a tropical plant. Right, right. But during the summer. During I, the summer, don't treat them like an annual. Ah, that's very interesting because this is different from what I read. Mm -hmm, so because, let me hear your theory. Okay, because Not the that, plant, like I'm it, the expert here. The definition of an annual plant, I don't want to get botanically uh, you know, oriented again, but an annual is only going to live for one season and one growing season. If you keep a poinsettia outside until we have nighttime killing frost, yeah, it's going to knock the plant out. Right. Then I would consider it to be an annual. But most annuals grow in tropical regions all season long, with the exception of a few here and there. But let's just say it's not an impatient. 
I mean, the impatience or the begonias, they're going to die off because of the first killing frost. And you're going to slow them, watch them slowly die. Well, you're not going to do that with your poinsettia. What, uh, you're going to eventually bring that in, but we're jumping the gun here. Right. I want you to understand, yes, you're keeping that thing in pristine condition from December all the way through the end of March, first part of April. I want one to treat it as it is a live-growing plant, kind of like your hibiscus, your tropical hibiscus that you have out there that you're going to be putting in a pot, or the tree-form tropical hibiscus that you're talking about. Right. I want you to treat it that way. Do not overwater it. Allow the plant to get as much sun as it wants because it's going to give you the leaf color that you're going to not expect. You're not going to have the white. You're not going to have the red. You're not even going to have that blue or pink and all that stuff that you get during the holiday season. You're going to get unique colors depending on the variance of sunlight that you get out there. Watch the plant. Watch the plant. It's going to tell you when it needs a drink. When the leaves have a tendency to start to lightly wilt, you go out there with your garden hose, Mr. Sandstrom, not your pool water. You give it a good drink so that you see that water flushing out of the bottom of it. And then you leave it alone. Leave it in the hot sun. Leave it. You're going to watch those plants slowly start to perk back up. With the hot sun that you have these in, whether it's the western exposure, eastern exposure, or southern exposure, you're going to notice that they're going to start to perk up and they're going to, ah, thank you. And then they're going to start to sing. But it will maintain the plant. Now, when it comes down to fertilizing, I'm going to recommend you do it on an as-needed basis. Remember, the flower is not that bright color that you've got on there. It's the what, Scott? The little buds. The, the little itty-bitty buds. Those little yeah. itty-bitty yellow they almost things look in like, there. Careful. I want to say almost like little holly buds in a way. Well, in okay. a way. It's kind of like the holly fruit. I mean, the okay. berries there on there. Go. Yeah. There you go. It's, it's, they're going to, when they, when they ripen, they're going to open up and you're going to see a little yellow um, and bright red or, or dark purple in there. Purple, yeah. Um, it, that basically is the flower itself. Right. And it's a tiny little thing. But, you know, it also does draw the hummingbirds, butterflies, not the hummingbirds, excuse me, pollinators. It's going to bring in butterflies. It's going to bring in bees, you know, the, the buzz, buzz bee of the honeybee, as well as the uh, bumblebee. And there's a number of varieties of those out there. But the critical period, if you want a full plant, is going to be from January when you are worried about what do I do with this right. through the middle to the end of March. So right now. Right now. I mean, if you want it full and lush, Treat it the way, Scott, you learned from this, uh, this lady. That, and she's absolutely right. But if you want to nurture it, follow the instructions that you've basically learned. My victory poinsettia. Let's see how you play with it. I mean, seriously. So then once summer's over and once the temperature starts dropping below 50, you need to bring it in. True. And then so let's say, what is it, like three weeks before? You wanted to you wanted to put it on your beautiful shelf with all your decorations and have it red. Is it two to three weeks when you start putting the box or something? I would start putting the box. Or I wouldn't. I would if you wanted to. Some people put it on for a long period of time. They alternate time spans. End of September, around Labor Day, any time between that and let's say Thanksgiving, you can play that game. But you want the plant to be full. If you wait until let's say Halloween. The thing's going to slowly go dormant when you bring it inside, and it's not going to have that full lush leaf to it. So I would start out earlier. I would do it anytime after Labor Day, put the big box over it, and uh, allow it to breathe, and then leave it take its own course. So anytime after Labor Day, between Labor Day and Halloween. So this was basically 12 on, 12 off. Yeah. Think of it that way, and 
you know, yeah. depending on where you are or your lifestyle, you can alter that. I mean, being in the box longer is not going to hurt it at all. No, I'll it's just going to, yeah, bit. I mean, if, it's kind of like, have you seen your leaves out in the yard when the city refused to pick it up, even under, you know, the, the last six weeks? When they finally came to get it, you got those leaves off of your lawn. Did you, What color was your lawn? Well, my neighbor's was yellow. Okay, it turns yellow. Scott has the immaculato. Never shall it look anything other than immaculate. So his neighbor's had a yellow lawn because the city didn't come up and pick the leaves up in an ample period of time. When you're not allowed to perform a photosynthetic process with the poinsettia leaves, you are going to expose them to nothing. UV rays maybe, but not the, 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 the like you've got the hal- halogen, you've got high-pressure sodium lighting, you've got metal halide. High-pressure sodium is going to be the closest to the sunlight that you're going to possibly get artificially. Metal halide, that's dormant season type of uh, leafing uh, sunlight. In this case, it's not going to get any of them. So when you expose them to lighting, whether it's the western or the southern windows or even the incandescent light that you have, it's going to promote a different coloring of a leaf to it. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's white, whether it's red, whether it's orange. And you're going to find really neat ones in the summertime. And I'm not going to go there, but I'd like people to share pictures if they can of their poinsettias that they kept for throughout the season and showed us the leafing color that they've got the following summer. Like you, for instance. More or less, meandering through the life cycle of a poinsettia. Right, right. Is, is, anything we're forgetting before we uh, answer this cactus question? Well, we already got to the point where it's, you know, yeah, you eat 6,200 leaves, you can, you, can, you can get a little ill and maybe regurgitate those up. It's safe to be around kitty cats, uh, children and pets. Um, oh, and then I think we mentioned earlier, but maybe not— right here was is when you start doing the box thing is when you stop fertilizing you don't give it any nutrients right that's just the water yeah just the water on an as-needed basis uh you do not want to overwater it you want to take the foil you want to give it a good you know a couple holes on it drain the tray that's down there you don't want the roots to sit in water on a constant basis uh, me preferably, I would just give them a drink when the leaves start to show some slight wilting. Uh, when the leaves start to discolor from the tip of the leaf toward the stalk of the plant, that's too much water. Uh, so you're going to watch those start to turn yellow and curl also. In essence, I don't think that you're going to have to do way too much to it. The box for discoloration for Christmas, the holiday season. Yeah. January, cut the foil or get rid of it. Up can to the point where you're going to get it into a clay pot, then don't expect any type of lush foliar growth because of the lack of sunlight unless you're able to give it some artificial lighting. Fertilize, but not on a regular basis, only on an as-needed basis. You don't need that nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium during the non-growing season as much as you will during the growing season. And since the flower is not that big leaf, it's that little itty bitty thing. You don't need anything for uh, uh, promoting a flower. The bloom. For the bloom. Yeah. So in this case, I think you're, you're, you've got it all covered all the way around. I don't want you to get too technical and too frightened and freaked out. No, not at all. I it's, think you're going to do fine. It's with a matter it. of time. And it's a, it's a matter of, uh, you know, during the box season, as I call it, having the 
the the regiment of putting it on at night and put taking on, it off in the off. morning. Right. If you can do that on yeah, a regular you, basis, I think you're going to a number be- of weeks. I mean, that's the toughest part. I mean, because everybody waters, everybody has fertilizer. Some everybody people think that you know back. when they start to see the leaves curl or something. Well, we got to give it more to drink. Yeah. You gave the trick of the trade right there. You stick your finger into the soil the first inch and a half. If you can feel it cool, it doesn't have to be mud wet. If it can be cool, you're home free. Right. But when you push it in over a half an in, uh, inch and a half and it's still dry, drench the hell out of it, let it drain, and then put it back in the foil. That should answer everything about poinsettias that you want to know for year-round upkeep. Yeah. I think that's I, mean, I think that I want to bring wraps it up. It up. I would like, if you could, since no, you've got a pool intended. in your backyard, I would like you to have, you know, your couple of poinsettias out there during the, the tropical season when you're playing the, you know, the tropical music and you're having the tequila and you're having, you know, everything out there. These things really, really sing. And I think they would make a nice, unique plant for a tropical environment rather than just going with a tropical hibiscus. Hey, we'd like to thank Black Diamond Garden Centers for sponsoring your Midwest garden. We record this podcast on site at the Toledo location amidst all the smells of budding flowers, the manures, the chicken schmutz, you name it. If you're in the Toledo or Perrysburg, Ohio area, please stop by either Black Diamond location for all your gardening needs. And remember, ask someone who knows. We are going to try this inaugural version, even though it's not an official a, it's a dry run. Yeah, you said live something about, about, about a mail. Yeah, so we've done the Mike's Mail episodes where they're all just questions yeah. that we We're ask do 20 or the people already? ask. And, and so, therefore, we decided that we were going to do one or two per show from now on. Okay, that, that's cool. I, I mean, we can do... still do the full episodes, but I think it's more in, you know interesting if there's a little, little Q&A at the end. Cool. I mean, I'm, I'm game for that. I mean, most of the emails that we get, yeah, about a third of them are all similar, depending on the time of the year. Right. So, I mean, if we can do about, you know, everything in a nutshell and take one or two during the end of each show, that'd be great. Following the Facebook page, you would see there's a uh, Your Midwest Garden podcast hotline phone number now. So, you know, with the, since Mike doesn't have his granddaughter to show him how to do a voice memo every time. <laughs> and, and That's so people, true. I thought maybe, because I really want to get your guys' voices on the air and get you guys interactive in this. This is, you know, you know, not new technology. So I went back even more old school, and you can just leave a plain old voicemail on that phone number. And rather than sending an email and then finding rather a way than to doing an email or trying to figure out how to use your uh, your smartphone with the voice memo, just do the old fashioned thing. Call us up, and we'll get your your now question on the air with your own voice. The, all we got to do is go back to the radial dial. Yeah, and everything will be safe again. So you could just so, dial, dial the telephone number. Yeah, you just dial the telephone number, and then at the beep it says, "Go ahead." Look, there's one now. Was that what that was one of them? Your flashing your, light. I'll be darned. Hey, so anyway, so let's do our first inaugural trial run of Mike's Mail within an episode. <laughs> so uh, Julie from Sioux City, Iowa, says, we hey, Mike. That's cool. From time, Hi, Julie. From the time I was a little girl, 
we would literally go to my grandmother's house on Christmas Day. She had the most beautiful red and white blooming Christmas cactus on her buffet. Well, she passed three years ago. Well, she passed three years ago, and I assisted on having that plant. The first year I had it, it bloomed beautifully. The second Christmas, it struggled and only produced maybe five flowers. This year, absolutely nothing. I water it regularly. I am noting some of its leaves shriveling up and dropping off. How can I stop leaf drop, and what can I do to get the poor thing to bloom again? Desperately seeking some advice. Where'd you find that? was in the mail, right? That was in the mail. Dang. Okay, that's appropriate for this time of year. Um, I'm sure most of you have, uh, like the point said, is you got those as a housewarming gift or something or or a holiday gift. No, she got it from her grand. It was her grandmother's. When well, she I mean, other people are oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. are going to get okay. something too, a little one than a four and a half inch pot. Uh, the, the the like the poinsettia, your Christmas cactus can be. It needs proper treatment. Now, for instance, I don't know how big this was. She didn't send a picture. No. Okay. Um, if you if you get technologically, you know advanced and some people can be they can send pictures also christmas cactus like the poinsettia you got to start to do something to it each year in order for it to bloom usually about the middle to the end of october if you've got a cool room in your house and a dark room in the house i would close off the vents or turn off the radiators and let that room just get cool and what I'm talking about cool is anything above 45, 50, 60 degrees, as long as it's not room temperature. And it has a tendency to go without a little bit of sunlight. You allow that plant to go about two weeks without that. Just put it in there. By the third or fourth week, you take it out and you, let's say it's around, uh, let's just put it this way. You start Labor Day or anytime between Labor Day and Halloween, you put it in the cool room. The cooler, the better. If you wait until Halloween to put it in, that's fine, too, because it's going to get almost cold in those rooms. But if you do a two-week period and then take it out, it's going to push for for buds or for blooms. You're going to notice new buds coming in. The other thing that I think, what was the lady's name, Julie? Yes. All right, Julie did wrong. Like most people tend to think, they call it a Christmas cactus. It is a succulent. It does not like a lot of water. So hold off on the watering. The shriveling up and the dropping off is because of too much water. There you go. And I, I did some homework on this question, too. So okay. got this. They love humidity even more than poinsettias do. Miss them. Yes. That's all you got to do when it comes down to watering. Give them a good misting here and there. They'll absorb the water. If there isn't any, you know, it'll trickle on down through the fronds, down to the soil or the sand that you've got, and that'll be more than enough water for them to sustain themselves. But I, the trick here is, yeah, you can give it the, the um, oh gosh, what is it? The, any kind of blooming fertilizer if you wanted to, but do that in the, before you put them in the dark room. And that, that would be it. I want you to only water it by misting and then let it sit there for about two weeks and pull it out and see what happens. But do not overwater it. Uh, you can also do that ice cube trick, couldn't you? If you do with the orchids, yeah. Yeah. If you wanted to. But if you had, if this is as full as what I think it is, Julie's grandmother's cactus was probably just so dense and so full for all those years that if you were to lay a, uh, an ice cube on top of the fronds because the crown is so dense, it'll do more damage than help. If you've got bare soil, gotcha. then I would recommend doing that. Because it was one inch cube, one ice cube for each 
inch of the pot. So if you had a, in a six inch pot, you would do six ice cubes. Six ice cubes. And that was like for the month. Yeah. It's more than enough. So much more than enough. I also looked up them a little bit. And it, according to the ever so correct internet, they like to be fertilized every two weeks in, from the spring to the fall. Lightly. And then just monthly. But I guarantee you her grandmother didn't do the ample fertilizing. Now, there's substitutes that you can do. But again, as long as you have the proper nutrients in that soil for that plant, and you do keep it dormant or stimulate dormancy, simulate dormancy from September for two weeks, the longer you keep it in a cool, dark room, the faster they're going to, and the more prolific they're going to be as far as blooms. So you're saying the cold temperatures for the couple of weeks, that's how... The flowers bloom. They get more bloom because of that cold temp. They stimulate more bud. And you know, those those buds, those flower blooms, they're called tubulars. They're tubular, man. <sighs> Way tubular. What's that song? Anyway, Scott, you know, you are dangerous. You, 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 you're an academe. You're a technocrat. You want to learn the basic specifics, and that's good. That's fantastic. So the, the other thing that I did learn is that they like lots of water at bloom time. Because they got to sustain them. So is there anything she should look for, like insects or anything well, like that? Well, if they, you know, they're susceptible to one particular type, and if it's a white bug that clusters usually in the crotch of the, of the fronds or the leaves, and it's called a mealybug. Now, you can use a number of things on there. You can use a suffocant if you want to, which is like neem oil. Or canola oil that, you know, they'll charge you 62 times the, the average amount for something that will basically be used as a suffocate. Use too much of that, and it'll suffocate the stomates. Not stomates. What do they call those? It'll suffocate the plant. And you don't want to use a whole bunch of that. What I would really recommend you use is forget spraying on a regular basis. I would rather you use a, a an organic product called a pyrethrin. I am partial to organics. Or you can use spinosad, which is an organic also. Or you can go non-organic, which is a systemic. If you've got that mealy bug, the white, furry, fuzzy type of an insect that's on there, if you put that down one tablespoon for every six inches of the pot, the diameter, and you do it evenly, lightly water it in, it'll absorb into the system of the plant. And that will last for about four to six weeks. It'll knock that insect out, and you should be pretty insect-free for the duration of the growing season, non-growing season, which is the holiday season. Summarize what you said for her in like four quick bullet points. Number one, stop as much of the watering as possible. Number two, you want it to bloom. I would wait until, you can get blooming this year, but plants have a tendency to get confused. Start putting them in a dark room, cooler room on the property of the house. Usually that's going to be a northeasterly portion of the house where you're not going to get sunlight. Close the air duct or the vent so it is cold. That plant has to be in cool temperatures for a minimum of two weeks in order to stimulate bud. And then when it comes down to watering, only water it via a mister or an atomizer like Scott would do with, uh, or the ice cubes, Scott would do with uh, uh, the orchids that he's growing. And his poinsettias. And then number three, do not do too much. Leave it alone. Take its own course. If you give it too much water, drain that pot immediately. Okay, Julie, hope that answers your question. And good luck next year. 
Yeah, she'll. I think she'll. I'd like a follow up on this if she can send a picture too. I mean, that would be great. Um, give it about two to three weeks. Hold off on your watering. Missed it. Maybe give it some of the um, uh, some of the light houseplant fertilizer that you could probably give it just to sustain and help to stimulate leafing or frond growth, and go from there. Okay, everybody, that should wrap up the show. Happy New Year to all. You sound so laid back. Let's do it this way. Happy New Year, everybody. How's that? Too much? That was perfect for you, Mike. Yeah, that's my MO, Michael Rourke. All right. You just need a little noisemaker and... I can't do it. Yeah, you got the little throwy woolies or whatever that is. I can't even do it. You're going to have to find some way of sound affecting that stuff in. Yeah, not for you, Mike. Okay. Say goodbye, Mike. Everybody, goodbye, Mike. And don't forget, you can also get us on that phone number. Yeah, just go to the uh, Your Midwest Garden podcast Facebook page, and it's uh, that uh, phone number is in the phone numbers, and that uh, it's pinned to the top. A little graphic there. The next, the next programs we're going to have, we're going to start stimulating some interest on growing plants outdoors, but we got to do it indoors, such as your seeds, your soils, etc. We're going to look forward to it. Come on, COVID, we're going to take you on one on one. Thanks for listening to Your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at Your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.